Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to this week's Rugby Pod brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. We have our final live show of the season confirmed at Flatiron Square on 29th of May so make sure you check out eventbrite.co.uk for tickets to that. It's going to be epic and a massive end to a big season so thanks again to Guinness for their support with that. I'm Andy Rowe and Goody and Jim are joined with me as usual. Does that make sense? You're yeah. struggling today aren't you? Yeah I'm struggling a little What's bit. What's the matter with you? Just pumped full of Lemsip Max. You find oh, it, you will. Yeah, a little bit. A little you got bit. man flu. I'm okay. Mate, just get on with it. That's what yeah. I do, mate. Do you? Yeah, of course I do. But to be fair, man flu will take any man down. Like, if you've got man flu, like, what, have you got, have you got shits as well or not? No, nah, not the well, shits. Well, you're fine then, yeah. isn't it? Isn't it amazing? You talk about man flu, right? And I have this debate with my missus. I said, you just don't get it, Karen. And she's like, don't ever fucking talk to me about man flu. It's not a, it's not a thing. It is a thing. Women just don't get it, do they? It's a it's a thing on hormones, isn't it? Because men have got one hormone, which is testosterone, and women have got like twelve. Careful about this. Are we going this to cast this menu here this, or what? This, well, I can this, categorically this. tell you that Goody has got more than one hormone. I'm looking at two others, so that's one, two, and a third one. <laughs> Mate, You've why got are you doing that? Hormones. I've lost weight. I've been to the gym. How is the training going, Goody? Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Big week last week. Really? Uh, went three times last week to the gym. Was it, what was it saying, 10 seconds on, 3 minutes off, or uh, not? Well, no, the third was time... Was it 10 seconds on or 10 minutes... No, yeah, so what was it, 10 seconds on, 10 minutes off, or no, not? No, no, no. The third time I went to the gym, uh, it was... Yeah, I just took the kids swimming. Yeah, it was a down day. And you have up days and down days, don't you? So you have high-intensity workouts, low-intensity workouts. Oh, listen to him now. <laughs> so you're going to the gym three days a week, and one of those days that you're going is a rest day. Well, what, yeah, exactly. And take the kids swimming. That's what, you know, the, the twins love oh, it. Oh, you're such a good dad. Exactly. Are you? No. No. Uh, <laughs> at least you're admitting it. Oh, well, I am. I spent four days with them, actually. Hating it? Or? Four or five days. I found it difficult, I'll be honest. <laughs> Mrs. Was, Mrs. was down in Brighton for a, uh, for a sister's 30th, a three-day 30th. Who Hold has a, a three-day birthday? So is that why you're messaging me going, where are we going in the summer? Let's get a trip away. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I actually did message you. Did I message you, Andy, right? Yeah, I got that as well. <laughs> so, Tim, did you get it? No. no, no, no. Um, yeah, so I had the kids. Um, what else have I done? I did a bit of training yesterday with John Barkley. Took him to the cleans at David Lloyd's in oh, the did gym. You? did you? You cleaned David Lloyd's gym or you did cleans at well, David I, Lloyd's gym? I cleaned gym after, but I trained with him. And I wanted to keep up. Like I talked it up to him that I still had it. So I was like, I made sure that I had the same weights on as him every time. But I nearly ruptured my pectoral whilst doing Pectoral? Yeah, my boob. Pectoral, yeah, or pectoral muscle. I, I've no idea. I've no idea what it's called, but I nearly ruptured that. You've grown a little belly there, Jim. Have I? Is it just what is that? No, no, I'm good. You see that you Have you started my bum bag? Yeah, I'm all right. I don't know if it's chest you need to be focusing on there, Jim. Well, maybe, maybe do a bit of a core session next time you hit the gym. Oh, here he is. I can say it on here. You actually, you look like a serial killer. I actually do look I? all right. I'm trying to put a bit of weight on anyway. I'm trying to just come on, live with me, on. mate. It's not hard. It's no. not hard to put weight on living with me. Yeah. Have you guys caught up with the news around the, the referees that have been chosen for the for the World Cup? Well, you'd know the answer to that because Goody has been all violent again on social media. Violent? Hey, <laughs> hey key, keyboard warrior. So. The keyboard warrior. So, so you've been violent on, on Twitter. I look like a serial killer. You can tell the guy that spent a few days with his kids that he doesn't like. How did you guys feel when you saw that there were um, four French referees? I, absolutely, not, absolutely not bothered in the slightest. Really? Why am I going to be bothered about that? Why are you bothered about that? The, the, well, what's your take on a French referee? I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously the, the list has come out. Um, I just find, you know, we've got Jerome Garcia's referee in the Champions Cup final this weekend. It'll be a lottery at the breakdown. And I just made a point of there's four French refs in, um, in the panel. Let that sink in. 
because it will be everyone will be offside everyone will be lying all over the ball no, none of the players will know what's going on so they'll all push every uh, angle possible and every barrier in terms of where you can push a referee to because communication we've always said it on here communication is key I'm, I'm worried like I'm worried for you are you going to go to France again Hold on, Jim. Mate, you're, you're the you're the worst one for abusing French refs on here. This is the thing, Goody. Like Fabian you, Gautier what, what talks to me now? about him. It's, it's get, well, Fabian Gautier was an absolute cowboy, but he's, <laughs> and Mario Desma was as well. But they're one-offs. <laughs> Mario Desma's Argentinian, but there you go, mate. Yeah, so he's basically Hispanic. Listen, I'm, I'm just as you know, James. I just speak my mind. Uh, is if, it, uh, is if there, a French referee has an amazing performance and talks freely to the players, you know, gets the breakdown and communicates. I'd, I'd be saying, mate, he's had a great game. Is there any love? Is there any love in that heart of yours? For? I mean, it's a big heart a lo- mate, and it's a- being absolutely pounded just, walk- <laughs> just walking around, just sleeping. <laughs> is, there, lo- is there any love for, for French referees, for Bastro? Can you find any love in your heart for, Bastro? for this? Why? <laughs> <laughs> don't even know the bloke. I just called him out for making some homophobic comments. What about no referees from, from Ireland? Is that absolutely not bothered? You're not bothered by that either. Why would I be bothered? No, Glenn Jackson from I'm New not, Zealand. Oh, I, I saw that. He, he's thrown his uh, toys out of his pram. Has he? Oh, I ain't refereed anymore. Has Jacko thrown his toys out of the pram? I read something somewhere. I've been on Rugby Pass that he, he, he said that if this is it. I'm surprised because oh. he is very good. And he gets it from a player's perspective. You know, you look at the referees on there, and that you know they're good referees. But you've got Carl Dixon, who's an assistant referee, who's come through the player pathway onto referee Nick Berry. He'd have been behind Glenn Jackson in terms of if you were doing world standings. Who's that good-looking bloke from New Zealand, Australia? Ben O'Keefe. Ben Ben Mateith. That's how. That, ben Mateith. How good is he? How, how good looking is he? Yeah, I mean, in terms you, of ref, you, you, in terms of if, you, if you're going best looking refs. He'd be up there in my top three. Well, Wayne Barnes, out of a bush, what? apparently. Out of a bush. Uh, he ain't in the top three, <laughs> no, mate. He's, he's in the bottom five. <laughs> Who's in the top three best-looking referees, then? I'd say uh, Ben Mateith. Ben O'Keefe is who you uh, mean. Luke Pearce. A.K.A. Tom Daly. Tom Daly lookalike. Yeah. Who's third? I don't know. I can't think of another you, one. That, you, that, you said in my top three, so yeah, you, you I, have to have a top three yeah, if you I, say I, that. It doesn't spring to mind. I can't think. Uh, that one, that, the New Zealand one that loved the spray tan that got the ball mixed up. Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh. He'd be third. Definitely he's getting yeah. on a bit now. He's fifty, though. Yeah, I think he's packed in, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, so. he hasn't been years ago. We'll put him in there. I'm not bothered. All this talk, jeez. You, you will be bothered, Jim, because you think back to 2015 World Cup and the referee that cost Craig Scotland. Yeah. So you'd have been fuming had you'd have been playing, but you were probably happy because well, Scotland didn't go through. No, you didn't want him to win. You said that on there before. No, no. If I was, you play- didn't get picked. <laughs> No, Did no. you say that? No, if I was playing, it would have been a two-step bob at the front, mate. That's all I know from the line. Hey, <laughs> Swinno. Uh, anyway, one of the reasons four French referees have probably been picked is because you have to think of planning for the knockout stages. And obviously, if you're an English ref, you can't referee England. If you're a French ref, you can't referee France. And they ain't getting anywhere, are they? Because they are struggling at the minute. So... They can take the risk and have four friends because they, they won't get to a final or a semi-final. Oh. They'll do well to make the quarters. Oh, mate. <laughs> There's something anti in this. Anti-French. Anti-Frenchism. Uh, well, Nigel Owens and Wayne Barnes have both been picked uh, for their fourth World Cups. Uh, and there's a second Premiership referee on the list. Luke Pearce will be packing his bags for the first his first World Cup. And he joins us on the line right now. How are you? Hi there. How are you? Hey, Luke, just talking about you. Thanks for coming on. But you you were in me top three. You were, you were second <laughs> in terms of referees. I don't know if you heard us talking about you. But, mate, thanks for coming on the show. Well, just describe, no se- problem. Just describe second of what 
Jim? I said you were in the top three best-looking referees out there, Luke. <laughs> there we go. That's more like it. Exactly. Goody, what was it used to call me on the, on, the, on the training pitch at Worcester again? Uh, Tom Daly. But um, yeah, <laughs> you're right. He, he looks like a... Uh, a 16-year-old boy as well, so, um, yeah, carry on. Hey, Luke, mate, well, it's good to have you on the show. Happy about the World Cup? Tell us a little bit about how that goes. So, do you know, is it like a player, like the selection process? You know you're in for a shot and then you get the call. Just just tell us how that works. Yeah, so, um, we were told a couple of weeks ago from, from Alan Roland, the head of World Rugby Rest, that um, we were told the selection, who's going and who's not. Um, we've obviously been working as a, as a team for the last few years now, actually, and you, you get whittled down from from probably a pool of 20 and it slowly goes down and down and um, we always knew that they would take 12 rests to Japan and, and seven ARs and you just hope that you're in the mix of it once it came to, to Six Nations time and, and get through that without any major train smashes and, and hope that you stay in the mix then for selection for the World Cup. So that's how our kind of selection process works. Um, but yeah, it's a hell of a relief and yeah, delighted to, to be on the plane in September. Oh mate, it'll be quality. But like, just going back to that, so how do they... They, do they grade you? Do they give you, Is it a point system in terms of how you stay within selection? Just a little bit more kind of detail on that would be interesting. Was interesting. Yeah, to hear. I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how we're how we're graded. We've got a, an online review system which we have to complete after every game. But for World Rugby, especially, there's a selection committee um, of four or five senior figures and ex coaches and bits like that. So. I think they just make they make the decisions at the top, and we find out based on selection for, the, for each of the windows. So we were we knew that after November, after the Autumn Internationals, that if we were to be part of the World Cup, that we had to get a Six Nations game. So that was the first nervy thing, and then it was just coming through the Six Nations and hoping you stayed in the mix then for for contention for the World Cup. And um, just we'll come to the Wasps not forward pass in, in a minute. From the, from the <laughs> I weekend. knew I knew you were um, going to mention that. No, I, I, know, it. I know. We'll come to that later on. But I just want to obviously it's you and Barnsley um, as the the two English refs going out there. Uh, we know it's your first World Cup. It's Barnsley's last World Cup. We know he's sort of hanging up the whistle at some point after the, the World Cup at, at this time. Just tell us a little bit about him because he's a, he's a great character as well, isn't he? Um, and you know, with him perhaps retiring, you'll be the best referee in England, won't you? Well, we'll see about that. that is, you're only as good as your last game, and, and like you just mentioned, the forward pass. So we'll go to that in a second. But <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. It's something Wayne's obviously been speaking and thinking about in the past. Um, I'm not sure he's made any actual firm decisions about when he's going to hang up the whistle. But you know, he's he's a very experienced guy, a, a really good guy to have working alongside. And he's you know he's done he's done all the biggest games in the world, and will hopefully go on to do the final. Should England not be it. Uh, be in the, in the World Cup final in, in Japan. So to work alongside someone like that and share all his experiences is invaluable, especially when you're coming through the ranks and you have the highs and lows of referee and it certainly helps working alongside him. Well, he was in my bottom three, if that helps. Um, in, <laughs> in terms of, just because Goody says he's got out of a bush, I don't know where, that, where that's come from. But I'm not saying a word. I've, I've got to go to the RPA dinner this evening, so I'm not saying a word. <laughs> well, don't tell him I said that, mate. I know he's an avid listener. Um, to, just carrying on the, the kind of theme of the World Cup and, and the, the Obviously, the refereeing style. Goody gives the French referees a lot of stick. I don't see it myself. Um, I understand parts of it, but they've they, they've got four, so they've got obviously a lot more than the other nations. Is, what's the reasoning behind that? Do you know that is are they deemed to have the best referees in the world? Or how does that work? Uh, no, I, I'm not entirely sure why the numbers are that they are. But if you look at the four French refs, that they're, they're all of extremely high quality, and obviously that everyone, each nation's each rugby is different. So. You only got to look at the top 14, and, and Goody will know far more about it than I do. But you know, it's a different, totally different style, and and it's refereed slightly different as well. So it, I don't think there's a real comparison on, on numbers as such. 
Um, I know the RFU and, and Spreaders, who's my boss, would be you know, was very happy to have six of us going in some capacity to Japan. And if we can increase those numbers to 2023, then all, then all the better. And then uh, just for people that don't know, obviously people look at referees. Um, you turn up at the weekend, you referee the game. And to our fans and our listeners, they think that's obviously the biggest part of your week, but they don't know what else goes into being a referee. So just give us a bit of insight uh, into what it's like being the top referee and what your week looks like as a working week, because you're all full-time pros now, aren't you? Yeah, so we, um, we're at Twickenham every premiership round. Uh, we're in Twickenham Monday and Tuesdays. So we come in for two days. We have a day of training and reviewing on the Monday. Um, we then have a wrap-up meeting on the Tuesday morning where we just get clarity from, from the boss and, and the coaches of what decisions went well, what didn't go so well, why they didn't go so well, um, and what we can learn for the following weekend. And that's you know really important for us. And I remember when I started this job nine years ago that we would meet up every three weeks and you, you know we'd, we'd get no real clarity between all, all five of us as it was back then. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's come on leaps and bounds. And now it's, a, it's the same as, I think, a team environment. When we, when we train together, it's pretty competitive and, you know, and, and, and we have that kind of camaraderie between us knowing that we're going to get some things wrong on a weekend and coming in on a Monday and Tuesday and chatting over with the lads and, and having dinner together on the Monday night can help solve those problems for the, for the following week. So that's Monday, Tuesday. Um, Wednesday, Thursday, then are normally down days, if not in with a club somewhere. Uh, and then obviously winding back up for Friday, Saturday or Sunday, depending where you are with travel. Um, I live in Exeter, so it's a bit of a, a bit of a trek to most places. So it normally involves heading off the night before and trying to get back as soon as possible normally. And then just, just on that, so you're in Exeter, living in Exeter. Um, what's your address so we can send people around there just in case? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Um, are you are you allowed to? Do they look at? Are you allowed to referee Exeter in Exeter, yeah, so or, or, or do they it, look at things like that, or not so much? Yeah, look, it's interesting. I, I refereed Exeter for the first time um, two years ago in a, when the LV Cup was about. Um, so I refereed Exeter against Cardiff, I think it was, and that was my first kind of incident refereeing um, refereeing my, my local team, if you were. But look, the, the game's changed, the jobs changed. I'm very rarely at Exeter now, so. Um, the same as Barnsley referees Quinns, the same as um, even JP Doyle refereed Ireland a few years back. You know, we, we're, we're paid professionals to do a job. Um, like I think it's kind of irrelevant then who you actually referee as such. And that first Exeter game that you refereed, just clarify, Exeter won it by 70 points, didn't they? <laughs> I can't remember the score, Goody, but I all there. I do know is... I was uh, there, I was working, I remember it. All I do know is that when I refereed Exeter, he was a couple of weeks ago. It was a bit awkward doing a Q&A with Rob Baxter the following week. Oh, I bet it was. Um, what I wanted to ask is, is a little bit of the pressures uh, that, that you guys feel. Um, I think you look at any sport, you look at probably football especially, but the kind of stick that referees get, and we've spoken about it now, for me, commentating on games or watching rugby, it's significantly easier passing judgment than having judgment passed on yourself. But like, how do you find that pressure being, you know, a young referee coming through the system? If you have made a mistake at the weekend, like, are you on social media? Do you look at the backlash? Like, how do you kind of deal with that side of it? No, I think um, to be a referee, you got to thick skin anyway. You know, you got to you got to be able to take criticism, and that's part and parcel of the job. Obviously, with the game becoming um, bigger and bigger now worldwide, that opens up to more criticism, and you just got to get used to it. You know, there's no there's no problem in being critiqued. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and, and social media has just enabled that even further. So. We always have a, a kind of thought process in, in Twickenham that spreaders would prefer us not to be on social media, but if we choose to, then we open ourselves up for, for the praise alongside the criticism. And if, you wanna, if you're able to take that, then you can be on it. It's not a problem. But, yeah, it's, it's part and parcel of the job. If you, if you couldn't take the flack, then you shouldn't be in refereeing. But that's just the nature of the job. And talking of criticism, here we go, Goody. Well, no, well it's not criticism. <laughs> Obviously, I was watching the uh, the Bath Wash game at the weekend. Now, oh, God, yeah. it actually wasn't your decision, was it? It was Kitty's in the in the truck, wasn't it? it look, we, we we made a bit of a hash of it, in all honesty. So 
as the as the try potential try of the season was running through. Oh. Hamish is, Hamish that smells my AR is in line and calls it live and calls a forward pass and I don't particularly um, agree with that at the time, so I choose to review it with the TMO. And once you stick anything on a TV screen and show replays, then, of course, you open up massive debate. If I'd have just given it live, then perhaps it, it wouldn't have been so. So, yeah, look, it's one of those decisions I can fully understand why people might not think it's forward. Um, there are a couple who think it is, but I get it. And sometimes you make decisions and you've got to lead from the front. And if they're deemed to be wrong, then you've got to take the, take the rough with a smooth. So you're saying it wasn't a forward pass. Oh, no, I agree, mate. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, let's, uh, the, another big decision that you've made this year, um, and it's a really tough one for referees at the minute, um, in terms of the public perception and also what you're being asked uh, to referee by World Rugby, was the, the Zach Holmes red card uh, in the quarterfinal. You know, letter of the law, you're dead right. How hard is it for you now to, to referee some of these things when potentially you, you might not feel that you want to give a red card, but you have to for the, the tackle laws as they stand at the minute? I think obviously we cover the foul play and tackle topic weekly anyway in our meetings and alongside the European Cup as well. But we all know as referees that a red card is huge and it changes changes the outcome of the game normally significantly. So we're not going to give them the lightheartedly. And a lot of work goes into thinking what we see and what we think is a red card. You know, we all know that we're trying to reduce the height of the tackle and that's been widely, you know, announced in the media to try and to try and decrease the amount of concussions and injuries in the advert for the game and we've got to back that up by by making sure that we sanction the the illegal tackles correctly now obviously we're we're going to get a bit of flack early doors and i think i think word is getting around now that what we see as acceptable and not of course we're going to get tackles like the zach holmes one is he dipping is he not how much is a dip where do we go for a yellow card and those ones will always go for debate um, and all we're trying to do here is just reduce that height of the tackle. And in a couple of years' time, if we get there, it, it'll be job done. Yeah, definitely. It's a little bit of a minefield at the minute. I definitely think, you know, watching it now, there's been a, a change in terms of the empathy there. But I wanted to ask as well, isn't it true that there's an award amongst the referees behind closed doors that goes for, like, the worst decision of the season for a bit of a laugh? Is that true? Um, Can you yeah, tell us who's so, got it at the minute? Uh, I'm not sure who the current holder is, but I know if I win it again, I'll keep the trophy. So in my nine years, I've won it a couple of times. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully this year won't be the one for me, but we'll, we'll see come we'll see come the end of May. We like to hear a bit more about referees. You talked about training as a team, all this stuff. Yeah, we, we give each other banter on here. Jim thinks he was the best trainer, the best player, the best. One off, <laughs> no one off. Oh, I knew I was fucking horrendous at times, but just give, give us an insight. Who's the best trainer? Who's the worst trainer out of the referees? Um, interesting question. This the boys will kill me if I slag too many of them off. Um, I'd say I'd say Tom Foley's a pretty hard trainer. You know, he's a get him on the what bike and, he, and he'll smash any of us on there. Um, Barnsley, for his age, considering he's a, a few years older than us, you know, he's still, he's still giving it his all and is probably in the best shape now than he's ever been. Yeah, I, I don't know who the worst trainer is. I'm not quite sure who'd answer it. But. Oh, good, he'll give it to a French ref, so <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> Either way. Luke, as far as characters on the field go, what was it like to referee Jim and Goody? Oh. Um, Goody was good fun and obviously I got a pretty up-to-speed um, review from... from from Goody on the field whenever I made a mistake. Yes. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was always a laugh. And I think, <laughs> the, the, I think the more characters we keep like, like Goody and Jimmy the game, the better. And then it, we don't want the game to become sterile. 
Um, and I hope that's being shown with us on field now. Um, I was remember refereeing Jim in the game in America, in New York, was it London Irish and Saris? And uh, I think he came off the bench there. And of course he did. Right oh, no, no, of course he no, did. No. Of course he came off the bench. Yeah, they put out the second team there, didn't they? We had about 20 pints in the lead up to that, that's why. <laughs> I do have one last question. Um, how often do you fake tan, or is it all real, or is it uh, Genuine story, it's real. I've got an eight-month-year-old puppy who I walk and play. And I play golf a bit, so the boys are giving me all kinds of shit since the uh, comments on, on BT the other week. But it's genuinely real and uh, hopefully it's only going to get darker as the summer comes on yeah some birds Luke I think you look great mate I think you look great (laughs) (laughs) cheers Jim well thank you very much for coming on Luke Um, and best of luck with the World Cup thanks very much cheers lad cheers coming on mate top load top load it is actually and you used to be able to chat to him when I played, I could chat to him. Like he said, I could chat to him on the field and, you know, I'd say something. He'd say, well, you did that badly as well. And you want that conversation. This is where I go with French refs. You can't talk to the French refs. With the top refs, they're good characters. They talk to you. There's continuous commentary throughout the game. And, um, yeah, credit to him. He's going to his first World Cup. That's a massive thing for him. Because yeah. he only refereed his first Tier 1 uh, versus Tier 1 team uh, in 2018. So he talks about the progression of you have to have a Six Nations game. And then it's a rapid rise for him, which is great. Well, the big game this weekend is the Champions Cup final. It's Saracens versus Leinster, and we go to Saracens now, where we've got second row Will Skelton on the phone. Thanks for joining us, mate. No worries, mate. How are you? Mate, we're very good, mate. I'm very, very excited about the weekend. I can't wait to see you boys again and, and be in amongst your company. Are you excited, <laughs> yeah, are you excited to see to me? <laughs> yeah, I am, actually, yeah. I'm looking forward to watching the security escort you out from trying to touch the trophy. <laughs> yes. He'll, he'll be the John Terry. He'll have, if you win it, he'll, Jim will have his kit on, he'll be up there on stage. When we when we win it. But um, Big Will, talk us through this week's preparation. Um, I know it's a pretty generic question, but what's the vibe like in the camp the last few weeks at Saris has been pretty class, eh? Yeah, mate, it's been good. Uh, exciting week. You know, training's been training's been tough, like it always is, but I guess we're, we're really trying to build for the weekend and, and hopefully we can be... Uh, we can kill it on the weekend. And let's, obviously we're talking about the game this weekend, but let's go back to the Exeter game um, that you started in. And there was that one moment in the game where you absolutely belted Phil Dorman. And it was all a, a slight timing issue. Was your heart in your mouth a little bit in terms of when they were looking at it? Was it a red? Was it a yellow? Because obviously that would have had a knock-on effect for this week. Yellow was probably the right decision for me. Well, was the right decision. But were you a little bit worried at all about the red or not? Uh... No, I, yeah, like like you said, I, I did miss time to tackle, and uh, you know, I never want to, you never want to do anything illegal on the pitch. But yeah, I, I just got that, I got that wrong, you know, with the wind and the, the timing of how how I was sprinting and and everything like that. I think I didn't really know what was going to happen. To be honest, I thought it was, I thought in my head it was a good hit, but then watching on the replay, I could see it was uh, a centimeter off the ground. So. I was a bit worried about the red, but I was thankful it was only yellow and, and we got the job done on Saturday. Yeah, mate, definitely. And I, I know we don't normally, or you don't normally want to cause harm uh, on purpose to people, but there, you, you caused a bit of GBH at the weekend as well, mate, on uh, Gareth Steenson, mate. It was one of the most violent things I've seen on a rugby field. What was your thought process? Was your thought process to put him 10 foot under the ground? What were you thinking as you were running towards him? Oh, mate, I, did, I, yeah, I didn't really see him. To be honest, I was hoping he wasn't there, so I've been try and go in for another try <laughs> you thought it was one of the ball boys mate <laughs> yeah mate I don't know it's all, it's all part of the game so yeah I relish the, the physical battle like, like you did Jim and I tried my best out there 
Well, uh, Jim hated it because he, he was on the bench most of the time. But let's um, let's chat about you then, Will, because obviously um, your form this year has been phenomenal. I think you've, you've have you only missed one game all year um, for Saracens in terms of Premiership and Champions Cup games. So there's a big thing. Now, I've put a bit of timber on. Let's not beat around the bush here. You've lost a fair bit of weight since you first arrived. The nutrition's still going well and, and you, you're tearing up trees in terms of performances. Um, it's obviously made a big impact in terms of training and everything, hasn't it? Yeah, but yeah, feeling really good. I think, um, you know, this is the... This is the time of year you want to be playing the the big games, and we you have tough preseasons every every year, and we had a really tough preseason, and for me it's probably my um, most beneficial. So I've, I've played the most games I, I've had in my career, and got really good in every single one of them. So I think my consistency off the pitch has has helped me on the pitch. So uh, really looking forward to these last four four hopefully four matches. Well, definitely, mate. Well, coming on to the match at the weekend, uh, I mean, clearly, I think most rugby fans will see the two best teams in Europe are now in the final. So when you look at Leinster, and I know that Saracens, you probably don't want to divulge too much information, but are there any kinks in the armour of this Leinster team? You know, how, actually, how good are they? Mate, like you've seen them through the whole year. Uh, last year, they, they killed it. I think, you know, set piece, they're, they're very strong. There are some strike players out wide, and James Lowe, and, uh, you know, Sexton's class. I think um, for me personally, I like looking at their forwards and and, and their big players. Like Scott Fardy's been playing well. Uh, James Ryan, tied, I think the tag Furlong, he's a lion. So I think for me personally, I'm, I'm relishing that battle up front. Kinks, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to like divulge those too much. We've got a few chips up our sleeve for the weekend. But yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to that physical battle on on Saturday. And has last year's quarterfinal defeat been talked about at all uh, within the squad, or is it new season, new game, new final? Um, we're just going to win it. Yeah, I think new season, new game, mate. Um, uh, you know, we don't. Every year you get injuries and stuff like that, and, and this, I think this season uh, to a Champions Cup, we've been in a fully fit, and I guess the results have, have shown that we've played our strongest teams and we've got the results there. So hopefully, we can, Leinster can play their strongest. Strongest out, put their strongest outfit out there and, and weekend too and, and it'll be a great game and I'll be in the change rooms after singing with the boys yeah. with my jersey on <laughs> mate you know how it is um, so just a little bit you know Goody mentioned your form there and obviously I've been been watching as well and you know but arguably in the form of your life a lot of talk about Australia and the World Cup is there any chance any way you think you could be on the plane over? <laughs> yeah I think I've, I've left that with um I think I put it. I left it with them. I think I know one. I know one way they can do is, is change the eligibility rule, and you've got some really good players playing over here. Uh, Nick White. I think Nick White's just signed at home anyway. But um, likes of them, Maximal was here. Uh, Scott Fardy's playing really well. We've got some other young uh, boys here who uh, you almost get the experience of how the the boys play in Northern Hemisphere, and it's that knowledge that we get here and take it back home um, in a World Cup year would be immense to the preparation of of each team. So I think South Africa's, um, they've changed their rules and um, they've got class players um, in their team. So I think I've, I've left it there and that's probably the, the only way I could go because Otherwise, I'll be I'll be watching on TV with you, Jim. <laughs> hey, mate, I'll be there, mate. I'll be there. That's where he always was. Um, a lot, last thing for us, then. Uh, obviously, looking at yourself, you're out of contract, aren't you? Uh, coming to the end of the season, where are you going to be playing your rugby next year? Do you want us to put some rumours out there, bump your wages up by a couple of hundred grand? <laughs> no, mate. I think yeah, I think we've. Uh, it's looking like I'm going to stay here at Saris, so we're just trying to iron out all the kinks. And, uh, there's a few bits and pieces left, but. Uh, 
There's, yeah, a couple yeah. of, there's a couple of zeros just to just to kind of fold out and, and pencil around. And some, and some houses and things. It's fine. <laughs> oh, don't be jealous, yeah. dude. All right, well, thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck for the weekend, mate. All right, cheers, boys. Thank you. Cheers, cheers Rob. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Oh, mate, tell the boys, pass on the message, tell them to dine in hell at the weekend. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Good lad. Um, sound, like, sounded like he might be playing. Well, yes. Didn't it? Didn't it? I, do you reckon, I reckon he is. I reckon he's in the oh, row. Marrow at six. Marrow at six. Correct a Monday. And then the choice between Rhodes and Jackson Ray. Jackson Ray will play, will he? Rhodes on the bench? I don't know. So, yeah, it's going to be an absolute hum-binger. Hum-binger? Yeah. Hum-dinger? Yeah, but binger, because it's going to be a big game. So it's a hum, I mean, but it's going to be a binger. He took absolute rubbish, doesn't he? Well, He's doing it for attention now. He's doing it for attention, no, isn't he? I think a lot of people thought that about the, um, the Donner card as well last week, and someone actually came out and said, if you look at how it's spelt, it's spelt like Donner. No, it's not, no, Jim. It's, it's not, mate. Okay. What are you on about? All right, well, let's just leave it there. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about Saracens. Come on, boys! Well, winning the Champions is, Cup. Is it hard for you? Oh, basically, Jim's winning either way, because if you remember last year, he was a Leinster fan. He obviously claims to be a Saracens fan now as well. Whoever wins, he's that's who he's supporting. You wait till the, the pod next week. Whoever's won is like, oh, I'm, I'm with them. I'm with them 100%. No, I think Saracens going to win, hand yeah. on heart. Yeah. By much? I think we, no. I actually think, right, I don't think too much, but I have a feeling... I got a, a feeling. Because, because all this stuff's gone around this week. I've seen it on social media about the extra time uh, thing with Leicester. Was it Leicester Cardiff? Yeah, from yeah. Leicester Cardiff. Yeah. I actually think You're this game... Draw. Well, I think it might go into extra time. You're thinking a draw at 80 minutes? I'd love that. I'd love that. Just add, the ten- add to the tension. Yeah. So it's going to be... If we're going to peel the straps off it, it's, it's going to be a proper game. Peel the straps off it. I it's like going to be one. a proper game. Yeah. It's, it's you interesting. Got, you look at the matchups and... The quality throughout both teams. You look at you know, Alex Goode against Carney at fullback, Liam Williams coming up against Jordan Lama, probably on the wings. You know the centre partnership for Leinster, ridiculous. Ringrose and Henshaw, world class players. They probably Sexton, slightly edge it, don't they, in the backs? I think so. Well, a lot of it. Brad Barrett's not going to be fit, is he? So they're probably are they going Lazowski and Tompkins? Is Brad going to be wheeled out like he did for the first half against oh, I Munster? He will be. Mate, yeah. you've got to remember Brad Barrett played. I know it's very different with an ankle injury. He played with a, a plate in his cheekbone a week after having it put in. Yeah. That guy is tough hard, as buggery, mate. Hard as folk. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got Farrell against Sexton. Across the board, so many matchups. You know, I, I think Leinster are going to dominate set piece because if there is a weakness in Saracens, potentially scrum, they've changed it, bringing Lamas to Telly in. Do they start him uh, instead of Vincent Cock? You know, Tyg Furlong coming up against uh, Mako Vanapola. The scrum's better this year. It is better, but I'm trying to find kinks in Saracen's armoury, and it's... There ain't many. I, I think for me, looking at it, if you hadn't seen Leinster perform the way that, that they did against Toulouse, I would have said Sarri's definitely. Yeah. Because Leinster haven't been that great this year. They've had a few issues in the Pro 14. I know they're obviously into the semi. They've got a home semi against Munster, who beat Benetton. Not that controversially at the weekend, which some people thought. But I think that Sarri's, you look at the, the momentum, not just of the guys that are going to be playing at the weekend, but the club as a whole, the A-League, the team they put out against Exeter, everything, the women's win it, just the momentum of the club now. I know it's a one-off game, but I, could, yeah, I just can't see them losing. I really can't. Ronan Hegarty has asked us, uh, do you think Leinster's ball retention and overall fast pace of the game will be enough to break down Saracen's defence? I th- I th- yes, it, it, in some respects, and then in others, you sit there and you look at Saracens sometimes, and you go, "I don't know how." When they're on song and when they're all 
firing up in defence and you've got players working ridiculously hard, people not really competing to break down, you've got that brick wall against you. They're so hard to break down at times, aren't they? Um, and with momentum, you know, the, is Sexton going to go for some runaround plays? If that starts getting shut down, that he likes to do with Henshaw and, and, and Ringrose in the centres. Um, it's going to be a war at the gain line. And the big thing we haven't spoken about... I knew you were going to bring it up. I was there. I knew it's coming. Jerome Garces as referee, how they react to him is going to be huge. And both teams will talk about that. You don't know what you're going to get, you know, off sidelines. The, the semi-final that Garces did, Munster against, or Saracens against Munster. Every, every, t- every player is offside most of the time. So you, you then end up with this game line war, which is the power game, which will suit Saracens more. And the fact that he refereed that game with Saracens and them knowing how physical they can be. Yeah. Because there were question marks in that game of, yeah. of the offside line and yeah. all that. And, yeah. and obviously Saracens got on top defensively, two men in the tackle, three men in the tackle, competing hard at the breakdown, bodies around there. And that would have given them confidence that the fact that they had him for that game. Yeah, I've got no doubt Leinster have got the game to beat Saracens. Saracens for me are favourites. Their power game is ridiculous at the minute in terms of how they, you know, if they're all firing, you know, a big thing might be someone might get injured early in the game, like a Billy Vanapola might come off. That changes things with Saracens. Sexton Farrell, one of those goes off. You know, it's there'll, there'll be something in the game that ignites a team or harms a team massively. Um, like that, something in the air or something like that, or you just, high shot. I'm so bloody could be excited. A record, you know, imagine, imagine Farrell tries to smoke Sexton and just catches him. We spoke about it back in November. Just that half an inch too high and he gets red cut. Who knows what's going to happen? i tell you what as well. How good is it that it's in Newcastle as well? I mean, tell the night out there. I, I know. I mean, that's obviously what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, ben Daly's actually tweeted in, um, going to the European finals this weekend and wants to know the best places to go on a night out in Newcastle. Room 101 at the Hilton, baby. That's Jim Hamilton, the party animal, the rock and roller's room. It's, it's not, but it sounded quite good. It sounded quite good. <laughs> Any House other of places you got? House of Smith's good. House of Smith? Yep. Is that food? Uh, no, 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 it's, a, it's a bar. I mean, worldies everywhere. Really? Worldy blokes. Yeah, Luke Pierce will be in there, won't he? Yeah, tanned up to the eyeball. Oh, they're doing the... So Luke Pierce is doing, and Wayne Barnes are doing the game on the Friday night. Yeah, they So are. they get a double header. They get the Friday night out in the smash. Oh, after the game. How happy. And Saturday, all day, are at the Oof. Ruggers. I mean, he's loving life. Tanned up to the eyeballs. Everyone's tanned up in Newcastle. Luke Pierce will fit in wonderfully well. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. If you're enjoying the pod and are interested in helping us out and getting access to even more great rugby content, don't forget to check out our Superfan subscription service. Here's a clip of one of our latest features to give you a taste of what's on offer. Hello and welcome along to the latest episode of Goody's Big Breakfast and today I'm joined by a man who's right at the top of the sport running one of the biggest clubs in England. It's Leicester Tigers CEO Simon Cohen. How are you doing mate? Yeah, under the circumstances probably alright I think. I haven't uh, had a heart attack although I came quite close to it at Newcastle last <laughs> week. Still alive. Uh, none of the death threats have actually succeeded yet so not too bad. Good stuff. Obviously there has been some criticism that um, people have sort of said you take your eye off the rugby side and it's all about commerciality of a club etc do you think that some of the criticism's fair has it been over the top has it been the fact of this is a, a long term plan for the club to actually stabilise and improve and, and be the biggest club off the field and hopefully the success will come back on the field after that no I think it depends criticism's when you're not playing well criticism is chucked in all sorts of directions for all sorts of things I used to say horrible things to me when I played badly I remember that yeah well, look, some of the stuff that Tom Youngs has had to endure when he's what he's gone through yeah. is just disgraceful. Yeah. 
I, I think people have criticised us for some things, which is fair criticism. Some of the stuff that's been said, you, you can't pretend that you're playing well when you're 10th in the league. Mm. It's just ridiculous. And you look at the squad, and it's a squad that should be capable of achieving more. So whichever way you look, some criticism is is is, is fair criticism. Obviously, looking at that, you know, you've got a whole different bunch of people that come and support the club, from people that walk up to, to the match day and, and buy a ticket, to your season ticket holders, um, commercial partners, the corporate hospitality. How, as a CEO, do you balance out trying to please absolutely everyone when there's different revenue streams to fill, there's different importance levels of, of certain areas of the business uh, that are more profitable than others. You have to take on criticism from fans, from corporates, from sponsors when it's not going well on the field. How do you deal with that as a CEO and how hard is it to, to shake off some of the things that have been said? Oh, look, it's, it, I think it's, it's really difficult because you get into quite a dark place if you listen to it. I've, I've tried to teach myself to worry about the things I can control and not worry too much about the things I can't. I don't look at social media or the newspapers at all now because you're probably more thick-skinned than I am, but anybody who's on social media gets a bit of flack and, and I find it quite difficult day after day after day. Um, I find it difficult to give what I should be doing the proper focus so I don't, I don't look at it. So you can get in a state where I think if you were to ever go to a doctor and ask them about it, they'd probably say you were almost in a depressive state because mm. it is really difficult when you see oh, tigers and they're not doing well. But in terms of that prioritising, that I don't find hard because everybody is important and you, you have to recognise that. So you have to control the controllables. You have to make sure you have good people in the organisation who look after the sponsors, good people who look after the corporate guests and good people who look after the fans. And, you know, we were worried that catering-wise the, the fans were probably queuing too long. The staff training probably wasn't quite where we would like it to be and we swapped caterers for next season, for instance. So some things you control and, and, and can do something about. You know, the, the focus is really difficult as a CEO because we've always been a club that has given the coach the, the leeway to, to run things as they want. And especially as my job is now based at Welford Road and has been for seven or eight years, I haven't been involved in the contract negotiations for four or five years now. And... It's what you know, so you're always inclined to dip back into it and then you try not to. I probably wouldn't have, for instance, I, I, I wouldn't have given Matt O'Connor the job, um, not because he's not a good coach. I think he's a very good coach, but I think the strength of his coaching is that he's only really bothered about next Saturday. But I think the weakness is also that he's only bothered about next Saturday. So I think I think Jed had done a, an outstanding job with the academy. You know, you got seven people to the 20s World Cup. You've got back-to-back -back premiership winners uh, in the academy side and you knew that you probably needed to give those players a, some game time and you needed to bring them through because uh, that's always been the core of what's made Leicester good is a lot of young local players and I think Matt would always be more inclined to do whatever works for this Saturday and that might not be giving a young player the choice so you sort of know these things because you've come from the rugby point of view but the process as far as when you're CEO, is that those decisions are, are sort of board-led and that rugby committee-led. And it, it is difficult to know how much you interfere as a CEO and how much you don't, because most CEOs in the Premiership won't have anything whatsoever to do with the, the rugby side of it. You know, they'll appoint a, 
they might they'll be part of a board process that will appoint a, a a director rugby head coach and then not be involved at all and when you come from a the rugby side of things you've been head of rugby operations that bit is quite hard to be honest and you, you mentioned the board obviously um you've been at the club now what is it 14 years yeah um the board has changed massively in those 14 years to where it was back in the day um with some brilliant people on there and there's still brilliant people on the board now uh, but it has changed a hell of a lot there's a rugby committee as well do you just want to delve into what you can and can't say about the people on the board and how, how it sits with the rugby committee who makes the decisions yeah uh, look we the board is, is always try to be a mixture of of rugby people and business people because that's the nature of the beast there are two subcommittees that deal with the detail because the two most important bits of detail i think which is too much detail for a board meeting for a regular board meeting so there's a finance subcommittee that will do deal with the finances and there's a rugby subcommittee that will deal with the detail of the rugby stuff i sit on both of them to sort of provide a bridge between the two so that the rugby side knows how much money there is and the financial side knows where the rugby side wants to go in terms of spend. Jed's co-opted onto it, although he's not a board member, but you need to have your head of rugby operations on there. The chairman's obviously on it, um, and Ben Kay and Rory Underwood. They'll tend to make recommendations to the full board around, around certainly around coaching appointments, and it's probably that bit of the system that I think probably needs looking at because you know they're, they're really good people and their knowledge is, is really good but for whatever reasons the last two appointments probably haven't worked out so, so Matt clearly didn't work out and Geordie probably needed, Geordie's the right man for Leicester Tigers but he, he probably needed a different setup around him probably needed more experience in there and because he was inexperienced he didn't know which bits of experience he needed to bring in. And that'll come with a little bit of time. But I think if you got the rugby committee probably should have recognised that. And I think there are people on the board, Lord Digby Jones, for instance, or Terry Gately, who is a senior partner of KPMG, who's very sharp. Now, they wouldn't pretend to be extremely knowledgeable about rugby, but I think we need to bring their acumen to the process of choosing coaches so i think i think you know we 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 need we do need to have a a look at that and see if we can make that process better you know you won't get many more knowledgeable people about rugby than say ben Kay or rory underwood but i think i think for whatever reasons it hasn't quite worked and i think we do that's a bit of the process we do need to to look at and reshape And you can listen to the full episode of that along with loads of other great content, all for less than the price of a pint a month. So head over to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod to check it out. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. I'm just going to touch on a few social media questions. Um, One that's come in, uh, a few people have asked about Scotland training squad for the World Cup and Richie Gray's admission. Oh, here we go. Jim, do you know much about this or have anything to add? A little bit. To the millions of Scottish listeners, I may as well. I think Richie Gray will end up going. I think that, not they're making a point out of it, but I think you look at the second rows that they've put in the squad, they've all had a big part to play in Scotland rugby and the international games this year. Um, I think Richie's game in the semi-final, probably more the quarter-final, he was brilliant. He's had a couple of nasty injuries, been a big carcass. He had a hip injury, hamstring, back. So I think that he'll be in. I think someone of his quality and his experience, if he's at 80%, which I think he's nearly back to. It'll be in Dunkey Weir. Is this just just talking about Richie Gray? Then is this a little bit of the Jim Hamilton's 2015, where like Richie's out the squad now, someone else does all the training like you did up the hills with your flip flops on, your jandals, 
swinging rabbits get, around get, get, Getting shouted at. Getting shouted how much, at. How much you want a beer? <laughs> I don't. And then Richie comes in the last couple of weeks and takes... Who's, who's going to miss out? <laughs> Whose place is he going to take? Who's going to be the Jim Hamilton of the 2019 Scotland Matt, I don't know. World I don't, Cup squad? I have no idea. I don't know. Mate, it's not easy, is it? Picking a World Cup squad, narrowing it down. I have no idea. I just think Richie's a quality player. Yeah. That's all I think. Shuey wants to know if you've ever run over anyone like Will Skelton did to guess the incident. I asked a stupid question. Mate, I asked you this on Twitter. Did I reply? You didn't reply. I was trying to think. You said there's a bear piss in the woods, and I was like, well, can you prove that a bear pisses in the woods or that you ran over someone? If you Somewhere on YouTube, if you type in Jim Hamilton rugby versus India, you will see me running over Akbash. (laughs) (laughs) He was a a Bollywood star. Was he not good? Yes or no? He was about 11 stone wet through. Was was he a Bollywood star? Yes. And did I run over him? Probably not. Yes, I did. Yeah, I scored a hundred next game. So there's been a few things that have been set in stone now uh, with the Premiership, so let's take a look at that. Newcastle going down, guaranteed now, aren't they? Yeah, obviously they're gone. They had a pretty good fist of it at the weekend, nearly in in, in right in the mix at, down at Gloucester at King's Home. Scored um, a power of a try. Yeah, I, they'd scored three tries, and then Sean Robinson makes a hell of a break as a second row, right up the middle. They recycle the ball. Nangutha gets the ball at fly off, and he, I think he's got two front rows outside him. Tries to throw a miss pass. Banahan intercepts it. Goes the length. Game over. Relegated. That turn there. Had they have had the composure not to chuck that ball and and perhaps gone, they just made a forty meter break. That could have been their fourth try had they picked the right option. And then who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's been a tale of. And actually, it's it's quite interesting. You look at what's happened with Newcastle this year. Last year, they won loads of close games, end up fourth in the league, overachieved. Last season, Northampton and Quinns were shocking. They'll be the first to admit that. Uh, therefore, you know Newcastle punched above their weight. This year, you throw in Champions Cup rugby, the knock-on effect that has on energy levels, on injury profiles of players and, and how much more they're playing, um, and the intensity of, of, of more games. And then you lose those close ones. And that's what's happened and, and how they've ended up relegated. And it's a shame. Um, and people are talking about, oh, you know, we need a, a Newcastle in the Premiership. Well, I'm a big believer. I, I love Newcastle. Obviously, played there, saved them once, etc. And I've never mentioned that. But you have to, in my opinion, you have to have promotion and relegation to make it interesting. Look at the, you, know, you look at some of the other competitions that don't have promotion and relegation. A lot of the games, people, when there's nothing on it, don't want to go and watch it. Um, and you know it's a real shame and it hurts it'll hurt a lot of people Dino included up there uh, they're sticking by him they've got to try and keep the squad together as much as possible um, but it's a real shame and, and, and unfortunately someone has to get relegated and, and um, it's them this year so you guys, do you guys want to look at the rumour mill, see if any rumours are floating around at the moment? You guys got anything? Well there's a few ones signed, sealed, delivered actually that Rugby Pass broke news Naholo Naholo Paddy Jackson uh, London Irish of yeah. Kepu. Yeah, Sakopi Kepu. Yeah. Uh, who else they signed? Shawnee O'Brien? Yeah, they have, yeah. They are going full noise, like Bristol's did last year. They are. But I, I just, I still think with, with them coming up, uh, a lot of it's going to be squad depth as well, isn't it? Mm, and yeah. they, they they might profit over the World Cup period, but then you say that, a lot of these guys are going to be at the World Cup. Then you're trying to integrate them in post-World Cup. Or when they're not at a preseason, it'd be even harder. So um, it's great that they've got some world class stars going there. And Jerry Flannery as well, apparently. Munster. Oh, he's leaving Munster going to Yeah, he's, he said he's not renewing his contract. Oh, wow. I'm in the backs coach, and there's talk of him meeting up with Declan Kidney Bean, and he's in as well. Off we go. Anything else? Obviously, Newcastle getting relegated now um, opens up clubs trying to get some of their best players. Chris Harris, interesting. Uh, Gloucester. Uh, Mark Wilson potentially getting a loan deal to sale. Not wasps anymore. Uh, no comment. Um, <laughs> Simon Hallersley potentially leaving and going to sale as well. So uh, you can see that you can see why they 
because that means they only go there maybe for a year and when they come back up. Well, or... Mark Wilson, certainly, I'm, I'm sure Mark Wilson only wants to go on loan for a year and then go back to Newcastle because he loves the club and international aspirations. But I think the others will go, if they do go, they'll go and it, it won't be a case of going back unless it comes to the end of their contract. I, I can't see you know, Harris, Chris Harris signing a one-year deal. He's got Scotland aspirations, hasn't he? So... Uh, Simon Hammersley as well. Will he go to sale and, and play there and sign a two or three year deal? Probably. Talking of Scotland, Roy Hutchison, you're welcome, son. You are welcome. Picked, we got, we got selected. Ray. Thank you. Hey, it's what, I, had a man crush, I had a man crush on it. I commentated on him earlier in the season, didn't I? I thought he was awesome. Like, you know, you watch players like that, and he, he has been outstanding. We got him on. Um, you know, he should play for England. He, he, you know. Why? Well, he, he's English. He's not. He's Scottish, man. Well, he's all, he could play for England, couldn't he? Yeah, of course he could. He didn't want to. But he knows he couldn't, so um, go for Scotland. Like you, Jim. Amen. Right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you this week by Budgie Smuggler UK. With summer fast approaching, make sure you and your teammates are kitted out for whatever holiday plans you have. There's also the Smuglet range for women, so go and check them out at budgiesmugglerukuk.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well. Yes, please do. Plenty of good this week. We talked about Saracens earlier, but what a performance by their so-called second string, uh, smashing Exeter 38-7. Did not see that coming. Exeter put out a rubbish team as well. Yeah. I, mean, I say was, a rubbish team, not a rubbish team, a rubbisher team. It was the Shags beat the Shags, wasn't yeah, it, in terms of second teams. But um, Saracens showing their strength. Um, we'll go over to France. Shout out for Stade Francais winning the Paris Derby at Racing in the La Défense Arena. I saw a big surge lifting a trophy after that game. There we go. Big search. Big shout out, mate. Well done, him. Uh, some masses for them. He'll stay in France, actually. Cheslin Colby. He scored a couple, um, but one of his tries for Toulouse against Poe was ridiculous. Against Poe? Outstanding from him. He's got to be up there with the world's best players at the minute. Cheslin Colby absolutely tearing it up. Uh, outstanding from him. Uh, shout out to the Army for beating the Navy at a sold-out Twickenham. It's always an amazing day there for that. Um, that was pretty good for them. Uh, but the good this week has to go to a collective bunch of people. Oh, I know where you're going. You do know where I'm going, Jim. Bring, um, your, bring your Calippo straws. Bring your Calippo straws? Yeah. You can't breathe. Is that oh, what you're going Here through? we go. Um, so... The coup this week goes to a collective bunch of people, including Lee Mears, Shane Williams, Ollie Phillips and Tamara Taylor. A load of other people on the trek as well, up Everest. They broke two world records for the highest game of full contact rugby and the highest game of touch rugby ever played after trekking up at Everest at two different levels. Raised over £250,000 for Wooden Spoon. Uh, so... This week, the good goes to everyone that took part in the fundraising for and climbing of Everest, breaking two world records for Wooden Spoon. Wow, amazing. Uh, the bad. A little bit of bad this week. Um, I'm going to mention him, Luke Pierce. We had him on Ooh. here earlier. Oh, mate, no, you can't, mate, you, you can't do that. I'm not so saying That's just two-faced. <clears throat> no, it's not, because I asked him. I said it wasn't a forward pass. So the you bad, told him. You mean you told him? Part of the him. bad, I'm just going to say, disallowing what would have been try of the season, I reckon. Uh, Josh Bassett's try in the corner, definitely not a forward pass. Well, and the permutations Lovin around Balibu. that. How good was Lovin Balavu, by the way? Mate, he looks about 55. He's not, he's about 26. Is he? Yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was bad to disallow that try, just in my opinion. Obviously, I've got to get wasps in there somewhere. Um, what else was bad? Uh, we'll just go over to France. <laughs> just for the crack <laughs> Poe losing 83-6 at Toulouse oh my poo I've always said they're poo I've always said it that was pretty bad actually um, but the bad this week unfortunately has to go to Newcastle Falcons um, getting relegated from the Premiership uh, tough old year for them uh, never nice to see anyone go down but the bad has to go to them for being relegated 
And the ugly, uh, only one real ugly thing this week uh, for me, and it's an ex-Newcastle player, ex-Toulon player, ex-All Black, Carl Heyman, uh, convicted of domestic assault in France this week and given a suspended prison sentence. He's admitted he had an alcohol problem after being sacked by Poe early this season. Uh, and struggling with retirement, etc. Um, what he's done is inexcusable. He has apologised, but absolutely no place in life for what he's done. So Carl Heyman gets the ugly. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. Rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod. pod.